they were trekking to Utah and they were among the people that stayed because Brigham Young uh, got diarrhea and they couldn't leave. <laughs> Wait, I don't even know the story. Oh, what? The reason, <laughs> the reason that the Mormons didn't make it to California is because Brigham Young got like dysentery and couldn't continue on. Because so, otherwise, why on earth would you stay there? It's a horrible landscape. I thought it's this an- was the place. He stands there and he says, this is the place. This is what we're taught. They're statues. No, what? No. <laughs> a salt lake would not typically be the site of a major you yeah. know, mm-hmm. urban development. Not yes. Well, no. all right, uh, that's the end of our episode. Folks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Please Bless This Podcast. The podcast where two sisters... What do we do here? What do we do here? We talk about all things Mormon and pop culture. And whatever else. And sometimes we deconstruct our upbringing. We do do that. And sometimes we have guests. Oh my gosh. Today we have a guest. We're joined by Emer, who's a good friend of mine. Just an all around knowledgeable person, a historian, an avid pop culture consumer and scholar, I would say. Emer, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So I am professionally a historian, but also <laughs> in my personal life, I would say I'm a Bravo aficionado. I've been watching The Real Housewives since day one, Koto de Casa. Um, <laughs> with all that that entails, bring us here today to look at Mormons on Housewives. Don't come from a Mormon upbringing. <laughs> I was a Catholic, but anyone who's sort of interested in religion in America is interested in Mormons. So, you know. Yeah. Talk to us a little about your like exposure to Mormonism, your experience with Mormons in a nutshell. Sure. Growing up, my brother's best friend when I was very young was Mormon. And they were like the one Mormon family on our cul-de-sac. And the main thing I remember about them is that they all had names that I thought were kind of funny, which in retrospect are not even that weird. Like his friend was named Bentley, which is by today's standards, not a weird name, but in, you know, Michigan in 1992 was like, oh, Bentley. And I am named Emer. So I guess <laughs> I don't know why I have any standards around what a weird name is. Sure. Um, but that did, that primed the pump, I think, on like Mormons are a little different. Yeah. Bentley is such a Mormon world. name. Totally. I just, if I met a Bentley, I would know. When I think, what does a Mormon look like? I do think of their family. They mm-hmm. could be your cousins. Maybe they are. I don't they even know. Might be. But- <laughs> they could be. Our cousin named all of his kids after trucks. It's true. <laughs> Dakota. Tacoma. That's fantastic. So same um, vibe. Yeah. And then as far as like my interest in Mormons, I am a, an American historian. Mm-hmm. So like some of that stuff, like you read about Mormons and especially I'm a historian of medicine. So like Mormons as part of kind of 19th century alternative medicine and religious movements is something mm. that like academically I've read a little bit about. Also, I think it's just growing up, there's been a lot of weird Mormon stories that have come out. That, oh, like, yeah. It's all weird. The podcast. Hence um, the podcast. I feel like a, an episode about Mormon alternative medicine in the 1900s is maybe on the horizon because That's interesting. Whoa. Oh, welcome Yeah, so back. like chiropractics, I'm assuming. Chiropractics. Yeah, and, and generally, like, there's, that was a time period of a lot of, like, 
religion enmeshed with alternative medicine. So like not just Mormons and even like the word of wisdom and all of the kind of like Mm. health oriented things are very kind of typical of other, you know, like um, Kellogg and telling people to eat Graham and uh, Ellen White and uh, what's their name? The other American religious movement who I am blanking. Christian Mm. science is another oh, sure. one even in non like explicitly religious kind of alternative medicine things like homeopathy or or chiropractics there's often overlap with kind oh. of like eclectic religious movements of mm. of the 19th century and i think there's definitely a kind of countercultural mormon thing that comes out of there too Yes. Two things. Number one, hearing a non-Mormon say the phrase word of wisdom gave me like full body tingles. That was so exciting. (laughs) I'm just like, Emer knows her shit. Number two, in the notes for today's episode, you had mentioned how Lisa Barlow, one of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake, had given her like two-year-old a chiropractic adjustment. And in the margins- Lisa- Two month old. Oh my goodness. Two months. People <laughs> will month do that like old. the moment their children are born. They'll be oh like, my you need goodness. adjusting. The idea that like the birth canal you need adjusting from. Yeah. In the margins of those notes, I wrote Mormons love a chiropractor. And like, I didn't even know there's this sort of historical medical origin to it. But that's another episode that I think we should do. For sure. <laughs> Let me intro the topic for today. So um, Emer is a perfect guest for today because we're talking about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And like Emer said, she's a, a Bravo aficionado. I would say the the very foundation of our relationship, Emer, is that we love Bravo. And it just supplies us with endless topics of conversation. So that is what we're focused on today. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City with a touch of like a non-Mormon perspective. With that, I think Emer is frozen. Oh no, Emer. <laughs> and she's gone. She's She'll gone. be back. She'll come back. She'll be back. So let's give like a little bit of background while we're waiting for Emer. She just texted me. Her internet went down. So she'll oh, be back no. soon. For listeners who aren't familiar, the Real Housewives franchise, there are lots of them. There's Beverly Hills, Orange County, Atlanta, Potomac, which is my personal favorite, New York. I don't know if it's considered to be like lowbrow entertainment to watch Real Housewives shows, but I think it is a rich text to enjoy. (laughs) I know that you guys are totally in agreement. I enjoy watching it, but I can't watch it for very long Mm -hmm. because it's so negative Mm. and like contrived that I just start to get like really irritated because it's just like they come up with reasons to fight basically and that's like the Mm -hmm. whole show and I like it because I think that it's funny and I like the characters and I like what they all bring to the table but I've actually honestly not finished the first season but I did watch the reunion yeah I just like will pick it up and I'm like I have to put this down I'm so Mm -hmm. tired I'm so tired for these people. It's a high demand show. Ooh, yeah. It's there's like a lot of driver. There's a lot of personalities. There's a lot of conflict, a lot of moving parts. And yeah. it's like, if you're willing to make the investment, there's mm-hmm. a payoff, an entertainment payoff, an emotional payoff, honestly, a social payoff. So I think the best housewives are like middle-aged women 
who are kind of at a moment of change in their lives. And you really see them like at a crossroads. And often it's, it's things that are pretty, you know, commonplace, like they're empty nesters or they're getting divorced. In Heather Gay's case, one of the Real Housewives, Salt Lake City, it's I think leaving the Mormon church is like kind of her getting divorced and figuring out how to navigate leaving Mormonism. But you see women that we don't always see otherwise, like women in their 40s mm-hmm. and 50s who are like navigating aging and family and interpersonal conflicts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like drama with the other women is essential, but the best drama really comes from like connections that the women have and the ways that they do relate to one another and mm-hmm. like feel for one another. Like it's, it's best when it's a show about frenemies, not enemies. Yeah. And, like, I agree. You can how they are like there's real stakes to what they care about I mean sometimes it's just a show about women hanging out and that can be kind of fun too but mm-hmm. I think when it, it can go deep and when it does often it's like the women are at real moments real crossroads in their lives yeah. agreed mm-hmm. I'm gonna say don't judge me I've cried watching the real housewives I've had like intense emotional experiences especially with women who you've watched them for years you've seen their lives like pretty dramatically change you've seen their relationships with each other be strong and weak and strong again there is a lot happening when you when you really dive in so Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, the first season aired in 2020. Two seasons have aired at this point. The third season, Emer, you said it's coming out in September. That's the rumor, the end of September. And there's so much we could talk about. There is like pretty intense legal drama going on with one of the cast members right now. There's a lot of directions we could take this conversation. But for today, and there may be follow-up episodes about The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City because it's ongoing. We wanted to talk about two characters in the show, two cast members, Heather Gay and Lisa Barlow, because they're just like, both connected to Mormonism in ways that are sort of fascinating. So Emer, do you want to set them up and how you're thinking about them? Yes. To me, they are amazing foils to one another. So Heather Gay is introduced as a pioneer princess that she comes from this really long line of Utah Mormons that she can trace her ancestry back to like Brigham Young's friend or something. I don't actually remember exactly who her Brigham Young's bodyguards. It's some, no, that's Whitney. That, that's Whitney. Whitney. But yes, Brigham Young's bodyguard. But she, Heather also has a thing that it's like she. They were there. They mm-hmm. were. They were in know, the room. They were in the room. <laughs> they were trekking to Utah, and they were among the people that stayed because Brigham Young. Uh, got diarrhea and they couldn't leave, which is my favorite detail about why Mormons are in Utah. <laughs> Wait, I don't even know the story. Know oh, Emer, what? The reason, <laughs> the reason that the Mormons didn't make it to California is because they were in like the Moab desert or whatever. Um, and Brigham Young got like dysentery and couldn't continue on. Because so, otherwise, why on earth would you stay there? It's a horrible landscape. I thought it's this an- was the place. He stands there and he says, this is the place. This is what we're taught. They're statues. No, no. What? So I realize this is maybe like a controversial interpretation. I doubt this is church teaching, but I think the more recent 
like understanding and interpretation of why Utah is reliant on Brigham Young's health. He I mean, could I will not say, continue. I do remember being taught that he was ill at the time that the wagons like entered Salt Lake Valley and he like rallied his strength to stand and look out and say like, this is it. We've arrived. But you're right. I've never like <laughs> taken that interpretation a step further that like he was just done. He He's was like, hey, yeah. this is good enough. Yes. I'm sick. Let's call it a day. Yeah. Because it's not otherwise an obvious spot. A salt lake <laughs> would not typically be the site of a major you yeah. know, mm-hmm. urban development. Not yes. Idea. Well, yeah. all right, uh, that's the end of our episode. Folks. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We've learned something new today. Okay. Um, so yeah. that's Heather. So, Heather. so that's Heather. She is, uh, you know, perfect comes from this perfect Mormon lineage and presents herself as someone who did everything right. She went to BYU. She was a missionary. She found a Mormon husband who like in her description met all of the characteristics that she thought were necessary for her husband. He was tall, he was rich, and he was Mormon. And Mm -hmm. like, that was what she wanted. And her husband, weirdly, his family's money comes from being like the driver and bodyguard to Howard Hughes. Yeah. It's a very. A lot of bodyguards. So that's Heather. And she then. And one thing about Heather, I want to add that maybe you were just about to say, Heather is in the process of, she is in a faith crisis when the show starts. She's like, I'm divorced. I'm, I'm not sure about Mormonism. I'm experimenting with some things that a good Mormon would never do. And the two cannot be reconciled. Like, I can't do these things and call myself a Mormon in the way I used to call myself a Mormon. Yes. Since getting divorced, and she really presents getting divorced as like her husband was a very rigid, this is the way things are. And she wanted her life to look different and couldn't stay married to him. They were never really in love. It was always kind of a a marriage of by all the rules, right? Mm -hmm and not a love match and he like never it sounds like didn't accept her as a complex person yeah um so i've been listening to her mormon stories interview which is really long but in but fascinating and really takes your understanding of her as a person to another level than the show can she talks about how her husband was the one who wanted a divorce And even though she wasn't happy, they weren't in love, she was like, uh, that's not an option. Mm -hmm. Like divorce is not an option. And their divorce took years because she wouldn't engage. Mm. She was just like, no, it doesn't really matter if you like me. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in the show, she talks about um, how nobody in her family had ever been divorced as far as she knew. So mm-hmm. she wasn't going to be the first. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of pressure. I think a lot of Mormon people can relate to. Oh, yeah. A lot of unhappy forever marriages in the church. Yeah. For sure. So so get into like, who is Lisa and how is she kind of a foil to have Yes. So Lisa is also Mormon, but she describes herself as Mormon 2.0. It's unclear to me if Lisa was raised Mormon or converted at some point in her childhood. It sounds um, like she converted. It sounds like her family converted at some point. Yeah. Um, when she was young enough that she like went to BYU, met her husband there or 
sometime her, sister. her sister yeah her sister dated her husband and then was like no you're better for my sister um which is a, a lot um but she presents herself as like having none of the kind of like cultural baggage mm-hmm. or behavioral you know standards that are typical of being mormon she not only drinks but she owns a tequila company she like professes that you know she can kind of do what she wants that this is about like her personal faith and spirituality and so it doesn't matter that she doesn't follow you know the rules according to what the church says um that it is okay for her to do being mormon the way she wants to do it and be Mm -hmm. like relaxed about what the rules are and still claim to be Mormon and love being Mormon. Yes. In the first episode, she's like, it's fine that there are Mormons who don't like that I own a tequila company. What matters is that I don't care. And it's like, oh, you're really able to like sidestep these cultural and doctrinal expectations in a way that is so different from Heather and just from a lot of Mormons, though I'm sure there are a lot of Mormons like Lisa too. Sure, but I've never met him. I've never met him either. Honestly, when I watched the first episode for the first time, I just remember being like, what is this? Like, yeah. I don't recognize my experience in in this group of women except for Heather. Yeah. 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 Heather makes a lot of sense and I think is really likable. And Lisa is like, are you for real? Are you just <laughs> pretending you're Mormon? And also, I cannot find a single reason to like her she drives me crazy i've kind of come to love lisa really i mean i just i haven't seen past the first season so i don't know i think lisa knows what her job is yeah oh for sure i find her fascinating because she is incredibly shallow in a way that like i it's it's interesting to see somebody who is like kind of constantly professing to have this like deep abiding faith that sustains her because she just seems like there is like truly nothing going on there she is the most like I don't know anyone else in the world who is as contented with themselves as Lisa is which is not to me typical of being a religious person where like ultimately at least from my religious background a lot of teaching is like we are all sinners and you are part of what religion does is try to make us better and like you're not I wasn't raised in like a hellfire kind of way where it's like you you have no redemption it's like there are a lot of ways you do get to heaven but the idea that like you can be perfectly content with who you are and truly have no qualms or no no anxiety or insecurity about any part of yourself and like no thoughts that you are failing to live up to the standard that Mm -hmm. you know your faith calls of you is fascinating yeah that is like a a kind of self-regard that's just astonishing in any human like and it's sort of amazing to witness sure I will say and I wonder what you think of this Katie I do think Mormonism Mormonism as a framing for your life and your beliefs um breeds a sense of superiority Mm-hmm. so there's this like shame and humility but there's also this like I have everything and I'm better than everybody and I know more than anybody right and I'm going to the highest degree of heaven I am going to have the most blessings and I see that I think Heather experienced that too when she talks about herself as a Mormon you get that sense mm-hmm. 
but Lisa is still in it. She's still like, I'm just the best. But I don't understand how she can feel that way when she just like disregards all the things that everybody sure takes so seriously in the church. Like for like, think about when we were kids, like, can you imagine if our mom had seen us like walking around with a Starbucks? <laughs> no. <laughs> She I mean, we would have been, her mind. we would have been told to avoid the appearance of evil, even if there was hot cocoa in the Starbucks cup. Yeah. It would have been like, uh-oh. put it in a different cup. So owning a tequila company, uh, and even if you claim you don't drink it, which I don't think Lisa even claims that. It no, no, just drinks on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She drinks She's on ordering the show. drinks on the show. Yeah. yeah. But like, I remember there was someone in our stake when we were kids who was like a big wig at Pepsi. And it was a thing. People talked about it. Because, like, in those days, this is another episode, but Mormons and caffeine and whatever. Oh, yeah. That's the um, thing. And I remember being a kid and knowing that this guy who was a big deal in the church worked for Pepsi. And I was like, I don't understand. Mm-mm. This does not compute for me. So one thing I've been thinking about with Lisa and Heather is, like, uh, so in the in the Mormon Stories podcast, she and her friend who's being interviewed with her, her business partner, they talk about being doctrinal Mormons or orthodox Mormons. That's how they defined themselves within the church. And that's the kind of Mormon who's like, this is how we were raised for sure. It's like, this is what the church teaches. And so you have to do it. There's no like gray area there. It's like, you do not drink coffee. You do not drink alcohol. You do not uh play around with the doctrine it is set and it's not changing and you can't you're not above it and then I feel like there's like Mormon 2.0 that are like I want to be a Mormon and I'm going to make Mormonism work for me and if there are pieces of it I don't like I'm going to set them aside or I've heard them called cafeteria Mormons too Mm. and I am aware of people who think of themselves in that way But it is so at odds with like what the church actually teaches. And so, yeah, there's just like inherent conflict there. Yeah, because it seems like even Heather, if she were able to like within the church, be a little promiscuous, you know, have those kinds of experiences, drink, she would not have left the church. Mm -hmm. Whereas there are other people like Lisa who do whatever they want and feel like they can still belong. Right. But I just don't know how you could feel that way. And like, well, I now- spent several years as a cafeteria Mormon or uh, I was like doing things, but not like talking about them or still going to church, but also just being like, look, I'm going to live my life. It is just so much to handle and manage and navigate. Like it's exhausting. Ultimately, it's just exhausting. I don't unless know how Lisa don't isn't care. exhausted. Yeah. Just unless you care. just don't care. Well, and that's why I do think there fascinating as foils to one another because Heather is so conflicted and anytime she talks about herself when she was being an orthodox Mormon the main thing she talks about is how judgmental she was Mm -hmm. that she you know would insist if she at her sister's wedding she insisted on having like a special little shrug for her dress so that everyone would know she was wearing her garments underneath it right and that you know she was it was all about not just following the rules but making sure everyone else knew she was following the rules and that she was in a position where she could judge anyone who wasn't and mm-hmm. i think that is 
a fascinating kind of way to live. Like, and it gets to your earlier point, Elisa, about the idea of like, how do you cultivate that sense of superiority? And it, it is dependent on not only everyone knowing that you're following the rules, but that like, it's immediately legible who is Mm -hmm. doing the best. Mm -hmm. Um, which even that too kind of gets into like more American senses of like the prosperity gospel that like, if you, you show like seeing God's favor in who is the most beautiful, the wealthiest and the most, you know, obedient, like is how you kind of can show like what your blessings on earth are, are these external signs of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Lisa then has that same sense of judgment. Like Lisa is incredibly judgmental about the other women Mm -hmm. and really consistently like gets digs in at them in kind of overt and more subtle ways while claiming that it's, you know, not actually being judgmental to accuse Heather of being a good time girl when they were both at BYU. <laughs> or <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, Except she doesn't Heather, remember her too. I yeah, know. Remember her, but she, <laughs> exa- yes, which is another great dig. That's the most insulting thing in the world. Yeah. To pretend you didn't know somebody that you've known for 20 years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dug into that a little bit more because she talked, Heather talks about it in this, in the Mormon stories podcast. She talks about her experience at BYU and honestly, I could relate to a lot of it. And she talked about like trying to be so good, so perfect. And her goal was to get married because that's every Mormon girl's goal. And she wasn't getting attention and she wasn't getting asked out. And she said, um, she and her friend talked about how she had fat potential, like the, because she's a tall, bigger bone person. There's this potential that she could have kids and become fat. And so Mormon men won't touch that. And she talked about being like invisible at BYU. So to have had that experience and then for Lisa Barlow to be like oh she was just like a good time girl floozy whatever and I don't even know her but also she was iffy it's like what what is what game is this that Lisa is playing it just is so messed up Mm -hmm. I do think Lisa is the kind of person who's very good at identifying other people's insecurities and then using it uh, to dig at them. And that is clear in the way that she gets under Heather's skin, especially because there is this sense that like what Heather always wanted was not only to be the best Mormon, but to be known as the best Mormon. And so to hear that her, she didn't have a good reputation, even when mm-hmm. she's in the process of leaving the church and like re- wants to be rejecting all that that entails is so painful to her. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that Lisa Barlow can not only claim to be Mormon and have no conflict over the way that she lives out being Mormon, but that she can accuse Heather of not actually being the good Mormon that she yes. she was. Oh, so loaded. If I were Heather, I would, I would not be able to handle that. That would make no, me crazy. I wouldn't be able to be in the same room as her. Yeah, yeah. She's Which is great. why I say Lisa's good at her job. I think she's probably the smartest out of all of them. You can tell just by the way she plays everybody and the way she maneuvers. Like she can say like the dumbest, most obvious, you know, she can make the most obvious dig and get away with, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Just like gaslighting the daylights out of everybody. <laughs> and um, it's it's pretty magnificent, but I yeah. can't, I can't watch it for too long. She doesn't either. seem to be driven by the same moral code. <laughs> 
other people are driven by. Mm -mm. And that gets back to how they both are existing within Mormonism. Like Lisa is just being Lisa and is going to take care of number one. And if she wants to call herself Mormon, who can stop her? And the church isn't going to stop her because she's rich. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that tequila company is bringing in money and they get 10% of it. So like, what's the problem? That is something that I would be really interested in as far as like, will there come a point that it actually does bite Lisa in the ass that she hasn't been doing these things that she's been like public about not obeying the rules. Like when her, if her kids want to get married in the temple, would, could she be rejected from getting a temple? What oh, temple recommended? There's no sure way she could, could get one at this point. No. I mean, she doesn't follow the word of wisdom. Yeah. 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 That's a heart. That's a deal breaker question. Yeah. I also can't imagine she pays her tithing, really. You're saying she gets 10%. I don't know if that woman's paying her tithing. She's already not getting into the temple. I don't know. So why would you pay your tithing? I don't know. That's the thing. Who can even speculate? But. There's a boldness to that, to just being like, I'm going to drink on TV and call myself a Mormon. I'm going to dress in a way that's like, yeah, I don't wear garments. Yeah, I don't. I flaunt it. Uh, There is a boldness there that is just fascinating. At the end of the day, it's not going to get her excommunicated unless she straight up says something against one of the top church leaders or she disavows some important tenet of the church. Heather is more likely to face something like that if either of them. And Heather in Mormon Stories talks about that. She says her number one barrier to accepting this opportunity on Real Housewives was she worried she'd get a letter from Salt Lake. Well, so on the point of being excommunicated, Whitney and her husband are talking about how he was excommunicated from the church because they had an affair. They were both were in like temple marriages and they had an affair and left and he got excommunicated. And Heather tears up at the thought on the reunion. What I think is compelling about Heather's journey is the way that she still holds on to the part of her that clearly loved being Mormon or like, oh yeah, I don't know, Lisa, maybe you have more insight into this from listening to her podcast as far as like what that meant for her. But like, it was such a part of her identity. And I think she doesn't know what she is without it. So the podcast episode, the Mormon stories episode was filmed as the first season of housewives was airing. So it was recorded in 2020 and Heather was like, I'm not an ex Mormon. I'm a Mormon. Mm. Um, Wow. I believe in it. Like at one point the host asked her to like talk about what does Jesus Christ mean to you? What does heavenly father mean to you with as a believing Mormon? And she was like testifying of everything she believed. And she was just like, I believe all of it and none of it. Mm, And she's so deeply conflicted in a way that I found like really powerful and relatable. And she talked about like, I wish my marriage had worked and I could have continued on this like perfect Mormon path. And I hate that I'm like, she said the phrase burdened with awareness. Mm. She like really mourns this life that she was living and that she wanted to keep living. Well, and that's really evident in season two when she has two different meetings with siblings of hers. One is with Mm -hmm. her sister who left Her sister is almost a little bit like you, Katie, that she left pretty young 
because her husband wasn't Mormon. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's exactly your story, but she left to get married outside of the church. That this Mm -hmm. was like a a moment where she like made a clean break because of her marriage and the family rejected it. And Heather Mm -hmm. like wouldn't go to her wedding and has basically been estranged from her for 15, 20 years Mm -hmm. because of this. And has now that Heather is getting divorced, is in the process of this divorce and, and leaving the church, they meet up. And there's so much sadness there that, Heather's like, I've missed out on all these years with you over this thing that's so stupid. And you see a lot of like the loss that I think Heather couldn't recognize it as a loss until she herself is kind of experiencing is, Mm -hmm. is, has that awareness of like what Mm -hmm. the church has caused her to sacrifice. But then an even more illuminating scene is when she meets with her brother who has left the church because he was inspired by Heather leaving And Heather is so conflicted over this Mm. and like very clearly does not want to be an inspiration for people leaving. Like that is not how she views herself. I think as a person who is even as in season two, she's firmer about being out of it, I think than in season one, Mm -hmm. but she still has a lot of, there's clear, like kind of guilt and regret. And her, her brother is like, I mean, it's a cult. I, I can't believe we raised our children to believe this. And Heather is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. He's like relieved and grateful and she's weeping and mourning and like, Mm -hmm. I didn't want this to happen. I think a lot of people who leave the church, you know, kind of do it with just one little pinky toe at first and then Mm -hmm. even when you're fully out don't really allow yourself to explore exactly why for kind of a really long time I know that that was definitely the case for me because you're so programmed to not inquire about Mm -hmm. all the reasons why the church might not be true and so even when you are out and you might be a little interested in it you kind of I don't know if it's just like a trauma response it's Mm -hmm. just like I'm not ready you don't want to touch it I didn't start really thinking about it until I was out for years and years and years. And I was also like a kid, but you know, even, even so, you know, I think she's definitely just in the throes of that. And I think anybody who's left the church can totally understand. I think so too. And she talks about in the Mormon stories podcast, how she had never even read like the CES letter, which is this letter, Emer, I don't know if you're familiar with that someone wrote that kind of catalogs issues with Mormon doctrine and history and the Book of Mormon's veracity. And like, it's just this list. And a lot of people encounter that maybe in a faith crisis and are like, oh no, all of this is a sham. And Heather was like, no, I've never even looked at it. I won't even look at it. And that's with Housewives filming, with that's already happening, she's still in that place of like, I won't even look at it. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can leave the church without even crossing that barrier yet mm-hmm. because it's so ingrained in you not to look. Yeah. I think one thing that makes it especially hard is that so many of us have parents and family who are still in, and it's so hard. I've realized that's really the main reason why it took me so long to um, do more research into the churches, because now that I have, I feel more angry, more mm-hmm. sad, you know, just more feelings come up about it. I was able to just kind of set it aside for a long time. But now that I have all this knowledge, I feel scared and mm-hmm. angry and get freaked out about it. Like being in Utah <laughs> recently kind of freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And um thinking about all the things that my parents do in the temple. And now I can't just set that aside. 
it's I'm confronted with it all the time. So mm-hmm. that's yeah, hard. by looking closely, you're creating more conflict for yourself. Mm-hmm. There's like a piece in just not looking. Yeah. And not calling it a cult, you know, it's not a yeah. cult, you know? Yeah. Until this podcast, I would not have called Mormonism a cult. And it's like the more we're talking about it and looking at it, the more I'm like, well, of course it is. Yeah. Or like definition. Uh, before this podcast, I wouldn't have called myself an ex-Mormon. I would have said I was like a former Mormon, though I realized that's not different. Mm-hmm. It felt different to me. Or mm-hmm. I would have said I was raised Mormon. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I It's that's... like a softer way of saying it. For X sure. feels very, X feels anti. Mm-hmm. And we're taught like you can never... The yeah, and you don't want to be people. anti your parents. No. You don't want to be anti your grandparents who died thinking that they would see you in heaven someday. Mm-hmm. It's just all. You don't want to be anti your whole childhood, your whole young adulthood. Yeah. Partly why Heather is so burdened and Lisa is not. Like Lisa doesn't seem to share a lot of Heather's kind of formative experiences as far as like what being Mormon means. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Lisa was a missionary. She seems to have like just a sort of remarkable lack of, I don't want to say necessarily religious trauma, but like religious culture even like mm-hmm. that she she doesn't seem enmeshed in kind of like the cultural ties and community expectations and like mm-hmm. the sense of, being Mormon is like a religion of doing that like really shapes Heather. It's so troubling to Heather that Lisa dismisses Heather's trauma over being divorced. Lisa will say, you know, like, well, you know, my husband was divorced and nobody cared. My parents are divorced. Nobody cares. It's fine. And Heather's like, no, it's, it's so upsetting. I am still sealed to my husband and I cannot get unsealed unless I have another priesthood holder to seal myself to. Mm -hmm. And especially if you really believe in the idea that eternally you will be with the family that you have made on earth, that's so heavily laden on the idea that like getting divorced doesn't matter in a way that I, I didn't realize until pretty recently, the centrality of getting married to Mormon doctrine, which I think is, and and creating an eternal family is specific and Mm -hmm. like, that's something that I don't know is as people who only have like kind of a casual, like funny underwear and polygamy understanding of, of LDS. Like, I don't think it's, it, I did, I was certainly like ignorant of what that really means. Yeah, yeah. I feel like people align it with Catholicism in a way where it's like, oh, they just have a lot of kids maybe because they don't believe in birth control, but it's like, that's not it. You know, it's like you will multiply and replenish the earth. You'll have as many kids as you can impregnate your wife as many times as she can stand it's like a a breeding you know to create an army of in heaven and you know to grow the church to like populate other worlds eternally you literally can't achieve the highest level of heaven without being married in a mormon temple and Mm -hmm. yeah it is absolutely the purpose of your life which that is something I do. Sometimes Heather will get in a good dig at Lisa over being Mormon. And maybe my favorite one is when she was going through the levels of Mormon heaven <laughs> and she accused Lisa of not actually being able to go to the top levels. Yes. Which she's when right she's on. Like, when she's like, celestial is the highest, terrestrial is Lisa, <laughs> telestial is like Hitler. <laughs> and then she says, outer darkness is me. 
<laughs> Can I say that scene where Heather breaks down the degrees of glory in Mormon heaven? I've been thinking about that for two years at this point since it first aired. It has given me some trouble because Heather identifies herself as headed towards outer darkness, which means she's what's called a son of perdition. She received the testimony of Jesus Christ through the Holy Ghost and then rejected it. And I have always grown up with this sense that like a son of perdition is a very small group. It's people who basically have like seen Jesus. Like yeah. I was understanding you've had your what's called your calling and election made sure, which is not everybody. That does not happen to everybody. I've only recently learned it's literally a ceremony. It's not mm -hmm. just an ambiguous thing. It's an what actual it? like rite of passage to have your calling and election made sure or receive your second anointing. It's like a thing in the temple that super elite Mormons have happened. And it's like you're going to the highest degree of heaven no matter what you do at this point. Except if you deny the Holy Ghost, deny the church, then you're a son of perdition. You're going to outer darkness. Yeah, And maybe Heather received that actual ordinance i doubt it just because she was young and i think it's typically like older mormons anyway so i've had it in my head that like i could never be a center of tradition because i never got high enough yeah but since watching um heather explain mormon heaven and identify herself in that way i've like researched outer darkness a little more are we going to outer darkness and i think we might be gay. <laughs> I this is blowing my mind I don't know if you will because you never went through the temple there you go you got out just in time but at this point like honestly as as recently as like yesterday I was looking into it and I'm like come on where is that where did I get this idea that yeah I could never I, I had could the same idea and now I'm just like shit I don't know man maybe I am going to well darkness. you better turn it around Elisa <laughs> And I'm not going to lie, it gives, it freaks me out a little, not because I believe in it, but because like on the very, very, very slim chance that Mormonism turns out to be true and I die tomorrow, I'm fucked. Yeah, I'm more fucked, fucked than Hitler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that and that's freaky. Wild. Congrats. So anyway, if any of our listeners know the doctrine better than I can find on the church website, please reassure me that I'm okay because it's a little bit freaky yeah. to think like you can there's even not lie. even a chance for you. The fact that it's this hard to know is troubling. Mm -hmm. Like you should be able to find out yeah yeah that is a problem with mormon doctrine and with being a doctrinal orthodox mormon is the church is like oh our doctrine is unchanging except that it changes all the time yeah and the church especially in recent years has done a lot of like oh we didn't teach that or we never said that and it's like yes you did we all grew up being taught that what the heck they they say now like oh no 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 we didn't we're not trying to say that you all are going to become gods and it's like, what? What church is this? Yes, you are. We were taught that our whole lives. That's crazy to me. Yeah. That makes me feel crazy. That so like that. maybe when we were kids, they did say sons of perdition are people who's calling an election and made sure who denied the church. And now they're not saying that. Yeah. But I, I can't think find it. That's that's wow. really irritating. I feel like they used to have a little bit more of like a fuck around and find out mentality and now it's just like just don't even fuck around like yeah. we are not this is yeah 
You're in asking too many questions. Stricter. Yeah. You're not meant to ask these questions. In some ways it's getting stricter. In other ways it's getting looser. It's just like a moving target, which is insane when the target is the only path to happiness. You better fucking hit this target. But right. oh, it moved. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the whole Your point, eternal but... soul. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And that of your family, presumably. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. tell I'm anxious about it because I keep saying the F word. <laughs> <laughs> Not the F word. I know. Well, yeah. where were we? <laughs> Heather and Lisa. No, I agree though that Lisa downplaying temple divorce as if it's not a big deal is gaslighting. Like totally. Lisa, you cannot exist in the Mormon church, especially in Utah, especially in a prominent family, which I'm sure Lisa has because she's a wealthy white mm-hmm. lady in East Salt Lake who's a Barlow, which is a very prominent Mormon name. I she knows that people care about this Mm -hmm. she knows that a temple divorce is not a casual thing you just get you have to like appeal for it yeah to salt lake okay so two things there that i would be interested in your insight on so Mm -hmm. one is to say absolutely she is downplaying like the way she presents the idea that in the mormon church you can either get married just normally or you can get sealed and she presents it as if these are two equal options which from talking to you that is not the case at all um, and choosing to not get sealed in the temple is like, well, you're choosing uh, sh- eternal shame. Yeah, you're yeah. Mm-hmm. basically. You're choosing not to have an eternal family. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is the whole point. That the is the point, point of the Mormon church, right? Yeah. Um, and even though the church doesn't claim this anymore or whatever, you're choosing not to be a god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you don't get your own planet. You mm-hmm. have to be the right. servant on someone else's planet. Right. Yes. <laughs> Literally, um, Yes. Yeah, you told me that once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other thing, though, that I would be interested in hearing about is one of Lisa's favorite insults. Whitney and Heather are cousins, but like second cousins or in some way that it's like they traced their ancestry back. And so it's very, there's other people on the show who we also learn, like they realize they were cousins in adulthood. Yeah, they're like, all so related. Very Mormon Utah, mm-hmm. they're all related. Mm-hmm. And Lisa loves calling them inbred polygamy twins. And mm-hmm. like <laughs> insulting them on this basis, which is fascinating to me because clearly, and Lisa yeah, yeah. is from a, an ethnically Jewish family who converted to Mormonism and is always talking about like, she's a New Yorker. Like this isn't her, you know, she, she has a different background than the rest of them. But I have to think being like a pioneer princess is like a big deal. Like everybody probably wants to trace themselves back to Brigham Young's bodyguards or whatever so it's this interesting way especially hearing that her husband actually comes from like a prominent mormon family that Mm -hmm. she is then using that as an insult when she knows that that's like a status thing Mm -hmm. oh yeah she's a master at her craft that lisa barlow yeah she knows how to turn the knife Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting to me i don't know like when i first saw the intro to the show and i saw heather saying that she's a how does she word it like a does she say pioneer princess mormon pioneer? royalty mormon, mormon royalty. royalty i immediately was like i mean come on please like it doesn't everybody in utah have mm-hmm. pioneer ancestry number one and number two like big time pioneer ancestry like everybody is related to some prophet or to some big mormon figure i mean we are we are so i've known so many people who are related to brigham young i mean you have a friend who is literally uh related to a general authority like 
Bro. Yeah, my my one of my good friends is the grandson of the current prophet. Mormonism is small. Everybody has their connection. You know that influencer Rachel Parcell? Mm-hmm. Um, at one point she put out a list of baby names, like when she was pregnant. I forgot which time. She has a couple of kids, but there was like a list of like names they were considering. And it was all pretty like, I mean, her kids are named things like, I don't know, Rosie and William or something. I don't like they have like very common names but there was one name on the list and so it was like kind of cutesy but like pretty normal names and then there was one name that was like Levon or something and it was like wait are you seriously considering that or I don't it's not Levon but it was something that was like a little bit out there and Mm -hmm. I saw online people were saying like oh that's because that's her ancestor who was like the prophet or something Mm -hmm. like that and he was named I don't even I don't remember the name but he Mm -hmm. that's a way for her to make sure everybody knows she's she's related to him she doesn't actually have to use the name now because everyone's seen the instagram post so she can like make sure oh 100 that's so funny that's so funny yeah i i guess i the where i'm coming from is i think it's really funny and ridiculous but i totally understand that everybody within the church super does care that everybody knows that they are fifth generation and you know all of that Mm-hmm. If you've if your family's been in the church for a long time, you're connected and you're cousins with everybody. But mm-hmm. also it matters. I mean, we come from Mormon pioneers on both sides of our family and it mm-hmm. comes up. Honestly, mm-hmm. we were with our parents last week. The number of times my mom mentioned, oh, yeah, my relative did this in the early church. It was a lot. It was mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And it's stories we know, you know, it's not new to us, but it's just like at the front of their minds. They super care. They and to me now, care. the funny thing is that it freaks me out. I'm like, I don't love that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like, I don't love hearing these stories anymore. Yeah. So Lisa using that against Heather is maybe as much a sign as anything that Lisa recognizes she is not a part of that pedigree. Mm-hmm. And trying to kind of spin it. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say about Lisa that. Lisa has even... to feel so othered in so many ways. Oh, I mean, sure. and like, cause I was even thinking about like, yeah, Lisa didn't grow up like with the foundation that, uh, you know, lifelong Mormons have of being in primary and the songs that we learn and just the insane indoctrination, you know? And um, I look at that like, well, that's nice. She doesn't have all of that holding her back from living mm-hmm. her life however she wants. But at the same time, I'm sure she feels very othered because yeah. of Yeah. Even just this past week, I had a conversation with my mom about like ways that I felt like I didn't fit into the church. She said she felt the same way because she wasn't raised in a faithful LDS home. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of like, nobody even knows that about you at this point in your life. It's so far removed. And seeing that as like a personal deficiency, like, oh, well, my parents weren't active and that reflects poorly on me mm-hmm. is fascinating. And I mm-hmm. think like is kind of getting at what you're getting at, Emer. this idea that like it matters a lot if you come from generations of active Mormons Mormons care about that mm-hmm. for like, sure. I'm sure our dad, our dad's parents cared that she didn't come from an act. Oh, family. I know that they did. My, they've told me that when yeah. they first started dating, my dad was like, it's really important to me to marry someone who comes from an active, faithful LDS family. And my mom was like, well, I don't. Mm-hmm. 
and it was like a thing that yeah, they I'm had sure. to work through yeah. in their three months of dating before they got i know and honestly in retrospect it's kind of crazy that they did yeah like, i mean that was pretty rebellious of dad of our dad to be mm-hmm. able to kind of see past that yeah yeah good for you dad way to go dad the hot chick whose family wasn't active he just went for it anyway you know what it proves actually is something you've said before nothing matters more than being beautiful so (laughs) your beautiful mother was able to overcome yeah oh a hundred percent nothing matters more than that yeah and that's why lisa gets by yeah it's there's nobody else on the show who professes to be an active mormon and so we never get that perspective but it would be and I doubt we will like I just don't know why they would ever go on the Mm show um Mm -hmm. but it is I think the perspective that's kind of missing is Mm -hmm. like how is Lisa interpreted by the people you know I mean because we don't even really know like does she go to church church on Sundays period yeah I can't even imagine I don't know I would think um, if she was, they would get some footage. Not even, even if it's not in the church, just of her like getting ready, taking the kids. Yeah. I would think the producers would be all over that. They want to capture the trappings of Mormon life. It just yeah. makes you wonder. I feel like we can do other episodes about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City later, especially as the new season airs. I'm sure there will be like new things to focus on. But are there any sort of final thoughts or questions Emer, that you want to raise specifically about heather and lisa and their dynamic i guess what i would say as far as like a, a kind of final thing that i think about them is like why they are a compelling dynamic is that like they have these each have a distinct perspective on what the church is and it can that cannot be both be true mm-hmm. like they are so threatening to one another because what lisa believes at the church and what heather believes about the church cannot both exist and Mm -hmm. so like there is no path forward for the two of them really as friends coexisting peacefully as long as they both claim this knowledge of what being Mormon means Mm -hmm. um and that's a really compelling and difficult kind of relationship to see on tv like it is a pretty rich well as we you know spent over an hour talking about and this is what to me as someone who's raised catholic being mormon seems fundamentally different in part just on a matter of scale there's a billion catholics in the world and the church varies dramatically regionally even though it is you know there's a core doctrine that everyone professes and is is meant to hold like there's a lot of different ways of being catholic and even for people who are observant and and don't challenge church doctrine in any way there's very different ways of living faith that don't necessarily conflict and that just doesn't seem true in a church that's much smaller and much newer that, much mm-hmm. newer yeah mm-hmm. there there's what 16 million mormons maybe that's what the church claims yeah that's what the church claims and that probably includes a lot of people who converted and Mm -hmm. pretty quick i mean based on i was doing a little bit of reading into it and it seems like a lot of people who convert leave pretty quickly um so you know questionable about that and like are they counting you two probably are still counted under that if Mm -hmm. you haven't like formally removed Mm -hmm. your name and dead people yeah i've heard they count dead people there's talk that they don't remove everybody even after they've died it's it's not a provable number no so who knows how many there really are 
Mm-hmm. And there it's concentrated in a way in Utah, in I now live in Phoenix. And mm-hmm. it's funny, I've never lived in a place with any kind of concentration of Mormons before. Mm-hmm. And it's noticeable just living in the Phoenix area. There's three temples in the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. I've never lived anywhere with a temple before, I think, mm-hmm. um, as an adult, at least. There's and soda shops. There are soda shops here. Everything is closed on Sundays mm-hmm. in ways that mm-hmm. I like. I had a tire puncture on Sunday, mm-hmm. and finding a tire shop that was open was like nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, and I was like, "You're the only place open." The guy was like, "Yeah, it's because we're not owned by Mormons." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh! Wow! There it is. Yeah, um, you there's like a real." Um, thing about like cursing in the workplace Mm -hmm. that I haven't noticed before that I think is like there's cultural changes that like if you live in kind of that like Idaho Utah Arizona zone it's it's an influence here that it isn't in other places it does create this like kind of rigid image of what being Mormon means and like Heather entirely believes that yeah and Lisa says that's not at all what being Mormon is. That's just culture. That's not the faith. And I don't know how you actually separate those two things. Mm-hmm. And clearly Heather doesn't either. Right. I don't either. Yeah, nor do and we. Especially how you see how powerful that culture is, the way it shapes reality for people who have nothing to do with the church. Even if you could separate the doctrine from the culture, the culture is a force that you cannot deny. And when the culture is telling you, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't be this, you can't live this way, that's powerful. Even if you want to believe something different, Mm -hmm. you can't deny that. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see how, like, if we had grown up in Utah, even if I had struggled with my faith the exact same way that I did growing up in Washington, I probably wouldn't have left. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't imagine seeing a way out when it's just everywhere everywhere in everything you do Mm -hmm. and that's scary yeah I agree I think um the conflict between Heather and Lisa is fascinating seems unresolvable but I also think it's really representative of conflicts I've experienced myself as a Mormon navigating a faith crisis navigating leaving the church Like, I can see people making the kind of arguments Lisa makes about, like, make it work for you. I made those arguments for a while. And I can see how if you're raised to truly understand and live the doctrine to the letter, that effort to create a Mormonism that works for you will not stand. At the end of the day, you'll be, yeah, you won't be able to hold it up or the people around you won't think you're doing it well enough and it'll just fall apart. Yeah. On that hopeful note, thank you, Emer, for joining us on our podcast. I hope we can do this again and talk lots more about housewives and other Bravo Mormons because there are so many Bravo Mormons to talk about. There's... More and more every day. Are there? Oh, yeah. There are. Oh, Surprisingly, wow. Surprisingly, yes. We had just a new one come up on Southern Charm recently. Yeah, becomes a cast member. I do have one correction to make. Please. Um, earlier I said that Ellen White, who was a American prophet in the 19th century, was Christian Science. She was Seventh Day Adventist. Oh, don't mm. want to make people think I've gotten my 19th century American religions confused. 
Thank you so much. No, no, no. Yeah, very important. Yeah, the integrity of the podcast. I know that's people, you would have gotten letters. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> yes. All right. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, follow us everywhere at Please Bless Pod. If mm-hmm. you have uh, episode ideas or comments, or if you know more about outer darkness than I do, email mm-hmm. us at pleaseblesspod at gmail.com. Or, or about Brigham Young's diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> if you can confirm that theory we would love mm-hmm. to hear about it yeah and please follow us on tiktok things are low-key popping off on tiktok so follow us there for sure and uh please bless this podcast please bless this podcast amen amen amen